Welcome, everyone, to the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Here on the show, we bring you interviews with business owners, executives, and key players operating in and around the Ottawa, Ontario, Canada region. We grab their insights on business, marketing, leadership, and motivation. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have a tremendous, tremendous story of someone that has come to this wonderful country uh, of Canada, the beautiful city of Ottawa, uh, made a new life for themselves, came here with nothing more than $200 in their pocket, and has gone on to run multiple businesses have an outstanding career in the telecommunications sector and then moved on to be a counselor at the City of Ottawa. We have a wonderful guest here today, George DeRuz. This is a story that is filled with uh, some heartbreak. It's filled with some perseverance and some great life lessons. For those of you out there that are maybe struggling, looking for a change, Uh, or even thinking of going into politics. We have some outstanding advice here from our guest today that you're definitely not going to want to miss. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have a tremendous guest here lined up with some wonderful and incredible insights that he's going to share for those in the business community, uh, those that also delve into uh, politics, and those that are looking for a bit of a story of hope. We have uh, we have with us today here uh, Ottawa City Councillor George DeRuz. George, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, and thank you very much, Paul. I really appreciate you uh uh, send me an invitation to be guest on your podcast, Ottawa Business Podcast. Yes, thank you, George. Thank you, and thank you for for joining us and and letting us help tell your story here. We always like to start with all of our guests, George, uh, with where their journey began. Where where does George DeRuza's journey begin? Well, uh. uh... I was born in 1964 in uh, in uh, Kuwait. It's a uh, it's a okay. Uh, and uh, then and then from there, my parents move. Uh, they were from Lebanon and they moved back to Lebanon, and that's exactly where my I spent all my childhood. But we're uh, we're I'm originally from Lebanon. Okay, okay. So how old were you, George, when you guys moved then from Kuwait to Lebanon? Six months. It's very oh okay yeah okay. it was very just I was born there because my father was working at a manufacturer uh, with the family business in there and then uh, it happened my mom was pregnant with me at that time and they waited till I till I was born and uh, till okay finalized the business and then he moved back to uh, to Lebanon okay very nice and whereabouts in Lebanon are you are you from. Where- 
Yeah, we're from the literally from Beirut, uh, right? Okay. From the middle, uh, the city uh, yeah. called Beirut, and the area that I grew up and lived in, it called Burj Hamoud. It's a, uh, it's if lots of Lebanese knows, uh, they hear the name, they know where it is and where it's located, right in the middle, center of Beirut. Okay. Okay. And what? So so let's let's go back to to those roots. You're growing up uh, in Lebanon. What was your what was your family ancestral made up makeup? Were you? Did you have any siblings or? Yeah. So I do have. Uh, we're uh, we're three brothers and a sister. I'm the oldest in the family. Okay. And uh, of course, uh, most of our family, my cousins and all my mom's sisters and my brother's family, my father's family are in uh, also in Lebanon and my my father have a uh, lots of family also in Syria which was like you live in the Middle East uh, it's interconnected like everybody have families everywhere but uh, yeah. mostly and uh, the the biggest and the largest family is in in Beirut in Lebanon okay okay so so there there's four of you growing up yep I'm the oldest, and I have my sister, Marianne, which is, she's also here in Ottawa. Okay. And she has two boys, and my brother, Tony, uh, he also married, and he has uh, uh, three daughters. And okay. my brother, Eli, he's my youngest. He's 11 years younger than me. He okay. also has married, and he has two daughters. And they're all oh, nice. in Ottawa. Okay, so they're all in Ottawa. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that as, yeah. uh, as, as well. So was, like... I'm just I'm just gonna ask this, George, from you know being Italian myself. Was there was there a greater expectation because you're the oldest in the family to to do something or um, to be more of almost that father figure at times or what what was that like? Yeah, you know, uh, as a, a Middle Eastern, and I know you have the same tradition and background I do, Italian, Greek, Lebanese, we're all kind of uh, grew up in the same. Mm-hmm. The oldest guy always have a little bit more responsibility. Mm-hmm. And all your brothers look up for you and you help your mom and your father uh, because, you know, it's a middle class working family. You need always help in looking after your brothers. And, and when my brother, my youngest brother actually was born, I was I was eleven years old, so basically, and my father's at work, and my mom, uh, I helped yeah. her, and I'm, I kind of uh, my family and my brothers look look up to me, and then you have yeah. responsibility when you're the oldest, and our is, and also in our country, uh, always the oldest guy have a lots of pressure and responsibility on him, and yeah. you feel yeah. you're, you're part of, you're helping your dad because you actually right. hand in hand with him, and whatever happened. If God forbid anything happened when we were young, always the oldest brother step up and help, and you know that I don't. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's common knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So, so in terms of your your um, your experience growing up, George, what, what did your dad uh, what did your dad do growing up? Then he he had the business in Kuwait, comes back to uh, to Lebanon. Yeah, my father was uh, into uh, count, uh, painting. My father, an actual career, is a painter. Okay, and, and like house that, painting. House painting, yes. So yeah. he used to paint homes and and buildings in Lebanon. Uh, the buildings are built from cinder blocks, so there is a lots of work uh, need to be done. Yeah, into the houses to be, you know, to be uh, 
painted and get ready for you to move on. And because of the temperature and uh, you live right on the on the ocean, so there's okay. lots okay. of uh, humidities and uh, they're always repaired. So he was in the restoration business and uh, and contracting and. Uh, of course, uh, painting was the major, but he has his own crew and he worked with my father, my grandfather and my uncle. They also worked together. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was kind of, that's how he met my mother before he got married. He used to work with my grandfather. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Very nice story. So, so in terms of, of the business itself, so he's, he's out painting, um, and, and doing some, some renovation work. Were you ever able to work with him at all or growing up? Yeah. So basically, uh, you know, you always uh, go to work on your day off, uh, when you're in Lebanon or in Greek or Greece or Italy, we always work when you're the oldest, you always got to work and support. Yeah. Like I, st- I started working, I was eight years old. I work yeah. at a barber shop down the road from my house. When okay. You finish their haircut. You just you have the brush and clean their back from the hair. Okay. And I was making three dollar in the week, uh, sweeping and <laughs> sweeping the yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And cleaning. Uh, so we all. I always work. So I, I literally never stopped working since since I was eight years old. Okay. And uh, when I was old enough uh, in the summer, I never had summer like uh, we don't have privileged to have a summer vacation we just when we finish school you yeah. just go to work and i was going with my dad when i get a little bit older and i was helping him and he taught me lots about the business and the industry uh, okay and also my father uh also get into kind of uh waterproof ceiling for roof because in lebanon we have a flat roof we don't have the roof okay right so we were we were into solution and leak and fixing cracks and all that stuff from the roof and the sides. So that was a new product, and he uh, he also get into kind of stockos and stuff like that. So oh, that okay. was all the new technology or new product my father was getting into, and he was actually uh, taking me with him to the demonstration and then to the supplier, oh, nice. and we start learning about the product. And so I was okay. kind of helping him on that side of the business. Okay. Okay. Now, when wh- while you're 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 growing up like you're saying, there the you know, the summer you're you're there working. What was it like, George, in terms of um you know, you're you're, you're growing up, you you're 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 working very very hard. Is it was it difficult at times um you know, to, 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 to see your dad like that, you know, work, working that hard. Like, I guess maybe the point that I'm trying to get at is did, well, how did you feel that that kind of prepared you for later on? Yeah, I understand uh, the point. I, I know I ex- understand exactly what you're trying to ask me and to get up to the point. Like I never, fa- my father was dedicated. He want to make sure that he can provide to the, f- to the family. And we ha- he has four kids and right. because it was a, uh, we grew when in 1975 the war started in Lebanon. So he was really concerned and worried. So he was extra hard working to make sure to save some money because oh, sometimes right. and some weeks you can't work. Like yeah. so it, you come sometimes for two three weeks, 
and or a month that you cannot go to work because of bombing or whatever the case it is, you want to yeah. make sure you have extra money on the side to be able to supply and support the family. And in Lebanon, there is no system like here. You pay it for your kids' education. You pay for your kids when they get sick, they go to the doctor. You pay for their dentist. There is no such a help from the government uh, okay. to substitute all that. So, yeah, so he was working extra hard. And it, and he was very hard working man, and he was making sure to have enough money to provide, and making sure he has four kids to be able mm-hmm. to supply food for them, and making sure that they got they have a clothes to go to school and education and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. And that's why so, I was trying to help him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So, so you know, you know, sort of dovetailing off of that, then, George, like, what was it like? Because it were as you mentioned. You know, the, the systems that we have here, the social security nets that we have here, you don't have in other countries. And I think a lot of times we often take it for granted because we wouldn't we don't know any other way. But then you throw in a war that you're growing up. And what was that like, George? What was it like growing up with with the war in, in, in Lebanon? It, it was very hard. Like, I mean, I didn't live my uh, my youth like any other kids. I mostly my childhood was in the war because when you're. When you're nine years old, eight years old, and then the war breaks down, and what did you see in life other than working and then you hear bombing? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a civil war. It was really bad, uh, brutally. Uh, people dying in your neighborhood. You have bombing. Uh, and it's really, when I see some of the news in Ukraine and some of the war happening right now in uh in the middle east and mm-hmm. not only in gaza or uh, in israel or everywhere like there is war little war happening everywhere mm-hmm. anytime i hear something like this it it really reflect and it give me memory and i understand and i i don't wish it on anyone because i live that life and i don't want to see other people living the same way we lived in, in Beirut. And Lebanon was really bad in the 70s mm-hmm. and in the 80s. And that was my childhood. When your mm-hmm. dad wake up in the morning, give you a hug, you never know if he's going to come back that day to yeah, that's crazy. Uh, to home. And uh, mm-hmm. this is uh, these are memories. You'll never be able to take it off. You'll never be able to take it off yeah. your head. And at night you'll be sleeping and all what you hear, the bombing and the whistling of the missiles. And uh, people oh, talk crazy. about it on TV and season it. But trust me, living it, it's totally different. And yeah. I I have a lot of uh, feelings about it. And I have a lot of memory about it. And I hope no one will ever see this, these memories and you know, no one ever go through this. Yeah, yeah. What, what would you say, George, uh, from that experience? Uh, shaped you what it it make me strong it make me stronger okay. it make me be able to live and adapt to the surrounding my father always told me that and you know it's funny because sometimes you mentioned something earlier we take things for granted and i keep telling i try to tell my kids and i try to talk to sometimes to my family and then when i laugh because when the power we lose the power for 15 20 minutes half an hour yeah. everybody starts losing their mind <laughs> i laugh i live 14 years of my life i've never even seen a power we don't even that's have crazy. That's a crazy. generator when the power comes once a month for one hour or a half hour or 20 minutes we're like 
what's going on here? There is <laughs> the old radio we used to listen. I remember back to the old radio, either on the battery yeah. or the crank one, or yeah. we always ha- we we barely have a TV. Uh, uh, or if we have a TV, you got a small black and white uh, TV run on batteries. <laughs> so life makes you stronger, make you adapt. You learn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't depend on all the uh, resources that we have right now. You have to mm-hmm. eat your water uh, on Friday or Saturday when you want to take a shower. And mm-hmm. you don't have, you can't open a tab and water comes up. And then when you want to drink the water, you got to boil the water, get it cool off. And you want to make sure you have extra water for the next day. So mm-hmm. those are uh, those are life things life throw them at you and you learn from them and you appreciate yeah. what you have. And there is a lot of things about me. I, I do try to explain to my kids and to my family how important all these things that we have and we, mm. we take things for granted. And that's, I think, where I'm, I really try to tell people who live around me and surround me sometimes. I'm like, you're thankful. You should be very happy you're in Canada. You open... You open the tab, you got hot water, you open the tab, yeah. you got hot water, and then, yeah. then you turn the heat, you got heat, and then yeah. you in the hot days, you have AC. We, we didn't have all that growing up. It's just yeah. it was difficult. Yeah. There was no resources, no power, no nothing. You got to find a way to be able to survive, and that the surviving skills that I learned and I have, that's basically I learned from these days. Yeah. Yeah. What what was uh, I just want to talk about one thing that yep. that happened with with the war and I think that you know touches on a lot of it as well. Was what, what were the rations like? Can you tell us about the rations, George? Like where you had to go get food and and then you yeah. had to go. You know, I had to go. I'm the oldest. Yeah. Remember yeah. we talked about that yeah. uh, earlier. So yeah. uh, you know, uh, you, you, there was no food that, because if there is a bombing or if there is a bomb going, no one's opening anything. So yeah. sometimes if you want to even bread, there is, the bakery is not open. And then sometimes they open between one day or two days a week if it's the if there is no bombing or if it's a little bit calm. So be able to go get the bread. So you got to all stand up in line. And the lineup is so long. And I, I, and it is, and I have to go sit in line and you'll get one or two pita bread yeah. for family. And of course, they have to know who you are. You have to have a special card. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, and and then and then the food sometimes you have a pita bread and sometimes you know you got some mold on it and then you cut the mold from where the pita bread and you eat the rest. We yeah. lived in a really tough tough times because when we bombing star we have to go to shelters. And yeah. in the shelters you could be for five days, six days, or seven days, or it could be three weeks. And, wow. And wow. those those are the time where. You know, you got to eat what you have in your hand and then you got to mm-hmm. eat whatever rice or whatever, something you can provide and you can you can cook in the, in the shelter because of natural, you can have a propane or natural gas. You don't yeah. have oils. And then yeah. there's carbon monoxide. So we wait for the army to bring sometimes uh, uh, one one roll of pita bread and then we all split it and share it. That's crazy. Uh, and and then because there is no no sign, no bombing, like there was no there is no signal. You just bomb start. You so okay. you'll be okay. someone and you'll be get caught at your yeah. cousins or at your uh friend or whatever the case it is, and then yeah. you gotta be careful and rush to make it home in between the building, 
hiding from the bombing that hitting the buildings and all the debris coming down on you. It is uh it's a war zone. Well, I yeah. lived in a war zone literally yeah. all my childhood. So so take us through um schooling now, high schools, um you're you're finishing up high school. What yeah. what does George do next after high school? Well I I uh you know, and your high school, your your schooling always interrupted, right? So you could be going yeah. from school, and then 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 there is a bombing. Then you have to do a little bit summer school to finish that or graduate from the grade that you're in. Okay. And then and then finally, when I get to the end of my schooling, when I graduated, and I went and I did some uh, electronic at a at a school in Lebanon and like the city collegial here. So I did okay. some learn some electronic. I used to like to play with transistors and little, you know, little radio. I used to take them apart or TV. So I was really interested in in some of the electronics in them. So I was always uh, curious about it. So my parents okay. in uh, uh, they put me in uh, in school learn a little bit electronics. Okay. And interrupted all the time. I I was able to finish only three years, and I I couldn't graduate. I couldn't finish the fourth year because. Again, the war broke up and then it broke down and I had to go back. Uh, we had to stay home and then I, okay. then I had to find a way to just get the hell out of Lebanon. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so when did you, when did you leave Lebanon then? Uh, I, I left, uh, I left uh, Lebanon in, in 85, 86, somewhere. Uh, in, in, uh, okay. And where did you go, George? Uh, I lived in Europe for five, uh, close to five, uh, six years almost, and uh, okay. I was traveling in between uh, Cyprus, uh, France, uh, Italy. Uh, in uh, the minute you be able to, it was very hard to get a visa or anything like that. Okay. Uh, okay. In that, in, in that time, none of the embassies are open. No one is. Everything is closed. So you make your way. You try to go to Cyprus. Or you can go to Syria through Syria. You can also you can get away from there to okay. another way. Out of, and then that's why sometimes I I I, uh, I watch the TV and I watch the radio and people like these people should leave Gaza or these people should do this. I I like you guys don't understand. Some people have no documentation, and yeah. some people they don't have a way to leave there. Do you think they're happy sitting under the bomb? Yeah. There was no option. So people yeah. got to find ways to get out of uh, the countries in a way that they'll be able to be safely with a safe passage. So yeah. I was luckily enough, I was able to make it to Cyprus and I went to Europe. And okay. I had friends at that time, my age, and we were just, I was just backpacking all over Europe. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So, but now the other thing that I, I quite amazes me is you, your schooling in Lebanon yeah. was in French. Is that yes. correct? That's my second language. Wow. Wow. So you so you spoke Arabic at home and then French at school. Yeah. So you're you are not allowed to speak Arabic in school. So you learn uh French. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. All your education uh in Lebanon, because we're under the French colony, it's all French. Yeah. You learn yeah. French. You learn a little English. The English you learn a little bit basic. You don't learn like it's not. Uh, it's like a, a, a French merging here, and okay. And so compared to that, so your okay. main language at school it's French, and okay. they give you classes of English. 
and it was actually it is you can either skip them or take them if you want to but they were there available okay so but uh, your mother like you're not supposed to speak arabic uh, uh, at at the school it was really strict oh, okay I went to uh, uh, uh i went to school it was very uh, they were very strict in our school yeah. you're not supposed like even when you're in your uh in your break in between yeah. classes and all that you're not supposed to speak uh, any any uh, arabic you're supposed only to speak french oh even oh even amongst like colleagues like at lunch yeah. or oh wow yeah. okay yeah. So and then we used to have something you have a little block it called signal and uh, every class has it and if you got caught speaking the language so they give it you'll they'll they'll tag it with you so you'll end up with a, the little block and yeah. at the end of the period or at the end of the day the teacher asks who has it and yeah. you, you got constant you have to be punished <laughs> for that if you end up with it so everybody try to avoid it so you try if your friend try to talk to you uh, arabic to trick you to give you that block or that signal yeah yeah and you try to you try to so it was very good system we were very it was very fun it was uh, yeah, it was a but, good education. So, but then when you get to France, then you you you're obviously you can you can communicate yeah. and and get by in France. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. I yeah, I I spoke it, I learned it uh, at schools and all my study, ge- history, geographic, everything you learn in school. It was your math, everything is in French. Okay, okay, so you're in Europe. You're basically backpacking, living with friends, what have you. And then what happens? Now you're coming, you're coming across across the big pond. How does that happen, George? Yeah. So basically, <laughs> it was it was very <laughs> it was uh, random. Uh, my friends and uh, said, "Oh, you know, uh, we're gonna go to we're gonna go meet at the ambassador. There is uh, Sweden and United States and Canada. Okay, uh, have they're giving visas uh, and immigration visas to." uh to people if we can go apply okay and i'm like are you kidding me they said no well it's like what's the choices well to me obviously it was canada okay and i'll tell you why and i i say this to lots of people and i say it sometimes in remembrance day ceremony uh, in lebanon the united nation and when you see the canadian flag the lebanese people used to breathe because we know that we're safe because when okay. we have a break in the war and United Nations come with their white truck and yeah. the UN and you see the army inside it, you'll see so many uh, so many men and women from the Canadian army that they are coming here to protect us and save us from bombing and okay. keep quiet and keep the peace in the country. Yeah. Uh, we always look up to that Canadian flag as a, as a sign of peace. Nice. And nice. I and I personally understand. I appreciate every man and woman sacrifice their life in country like Lebanon, Syria, uh, Kuwait, uh, Saudi, everywhere, Afghanistan, wherever there yeah. is an, uh, a personnel in the army lost their life yeah. and sacrificed their life to give the freedom that we have, what we have today, and yeah. we should honor it and remember it every day. It, it means a lot to me, and honestly, at Remembrance Day ceremony. I sincerely take a, a lot of time uh, uh, to reflect and to thank those people that they serve in our country. And, and 
from that moment on, every time I see the Canadian flag, it's just some kind of uh, peace sign for me. And then when oh, nice. opportunity happened in Europe and I was talking to my friend, I said, if anything, opportunity, I really want to go to Canada. And nice. that, nice. that was nice. basically why I chose to come to Canada. And that was my main goal, to come to a peaceful country, to live and forget what happened in the past. Yeah. A new life. And I have an opportunity to have a new life in Canada. Yeah. So, so, we, so we went to the embassy. I applied. We were 11 guys. And, oh, uh, wow. 11. Wow. Yeah. And okay. it's, it's funny, the guy whose sister lives in Montreal, that we came, he told us about that. Yeah. So we, we all again went there. We waited on lines and we started doing interviews and we all get accepted other than him. <laughs> oh, no, he was, he didn't get accepted. <laughs> he didn't get it. My, my interview with the ambassador, it was funny <laughs> because you sit down and then you'll be interviewing with the, uh, ambassador staff and the ambassador will be there and then okay. ask you all these kind of questions so the interview obviously was in French I asked to be in French Yeah, and then it was fluid we're talking and then <laughs> they're taking notes and then the the, the, the uh, one of uh, the interviewers said to me wow uh, because you do you work in bakeries in Paris and you do baguette uh, in 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 Montreal there is a lots of opportunity and he started okay. talking to me about Montreal i i stopped him i said can yeah. you just stop for a second he yeah. looked at me surprisingly i'm like you're i said listen i'm i'm desperately want to go telling me about how good opportunities there is in montreal and talking to me about what what how i can do what i can do and all that stuff and i'm getting a little bit anxious and i'm like okay hold on one second you're telling me about all this and i'm already i already made up my mind i do i would love to come to canada but is that mean you're telling me all that because you accepted me <laughs> and he turned and he, and he turned and he looked at me and said maybe yeah of course I did. And I'm like, oh my God, now we can talk. <laughs> it was, I'll never forget that moment. It was one of the best oh, moments awesome. in my life when he said that to me. Yeah. I was like so stressed and I was sweating and I just like, yeah, he's yeah. telling me all the good things about Montreal and what I can do and how I can live <laughs> and where I can opportunity to work. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you telling me all that? Just like, is it yes or no? <laughs> then we can have a discussion. <laughs> anyway, it was uh, it was very uh, uh, it was a uh, life changing for me. Uh, yeah. Since that moment, uh, I of course you have to go through the medicals and things. It was a, a five months, six months wait, but it was wor well worth it, and uh, I end up coming here uh, as but, a land immigrant. Right. So so you end up in Montreal to start. I end up in Montreal. Yes. Okay. Now, when did you come? Like uh, what month? Do you remember? 19, yeah, of course. January 5th, 1990. Oh my gosh, January 5th. So you're right in the middle of winter. 20, 23, 25 centimeters the day I hit, the night I hit Canada. I came to, the, <laughs> I, I came to uh, uh, Mirabel, uh, Mont, uh, airport Mirabel. Yeah. And it was just a storm. Like you, I cannot <laughs> explain to you the welcome. Mother yeah. Nature had what, prepared for What me. was that feeling like, George? It was, was it great. Like Send me back. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll take I'll take minus 
20 minus 30, I'll take minus 15, I'll take 20, 30 centimeters of snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm in a new country, starting a new yeah. chapter yeah. of my life. Uh, yeah. I waited all my life to be here, so I'm not going to come. I'm not complaining. <laughs> so it was. Uh, I was that your first? Out. Your was that your first uh, interaction with snow, or did yes. you get some of that well, in France? No, I I I, I had a, Lebanon. I used to do lots of skiing in Lebanon. Oh, okay, right. Okay, up to the mountains. So, but yeah. we didn't have them around the house. So yeah, it was yeah, a destination. Yeah. If you want to go ski, you're gonna yeah. drive. And in Paris and and in Europe is the same thing. You go to the you go to the ski hills and ski. You choose, but there is no. It was mostly rain and cloudy in uh, Paris. Yeah, and okay. in Lebanon it was you know it was very temperatures up and down and is a damp because of yeah. the ocean. But it's not like you wake up in the morning and you got 15, 20 centimeters of snow <laughs> on your car. You don't have that. <laughs> you, you can't just go out and build a snowman anytime. Yeah, you yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so that's that was my uh, that was that was my, your welcome, uh, welcome, <laughs> a Mother Canadian Rachel's. welcome. <laughs> this was Canadian welcome, an actual so, great Canadian welcome. So, so you settle in Montreal. You're the and how long were you in Montreal for before you make uh, your so, way to? Yeah, so for, uh, I, we have a friends uh, that we came with. They all they all came to Montreal, and I had an uncle in Ottawa, and uh, and my cousin, my best, my cousin, he my best friend, and him and I grew up together he was six months younger than me that okay. we've done everything together he came to canada six months prior because he applied before me and he was able to come so he was in ottawa at that time and i was in i i landed in montreal okay so I, they came to pick me up because it was the first time i'm in here so my uncle that was too much there was so much snow on the ground he couldn't yeah. come by his car because they were closing there was a lots of accident on the highway. He actually took the voyageur back in the days. He took oh, wow. from Ottawa to Montreal, picked me up and brought me to Ottawa wow. that night uh, for a couple nights uh, till uh, you know till they welcome me and and then I met I see my cousin and things and yeah. then I go back to Montreal where I thought I'm going to be able to start a life. I worked there for two weeks. Yeah, at the Sears, Sears warehouse, and then, and of course with the language and the slang and, uh, and yeah, that's like, hard, eh? It's a yeah, different French. Yeah, different French. Uh, I I just couldn't adapt to the thing. And my cousin is here. I'm like, okay, may as well. Yeah. So I was there for two weeks. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna stick to Ottawa. And I came back to Ottawa and I stayed with my uncle and my cousin and I. Uh, okay. Rented an apartment and we moved on. Oh, nice. Nice. So, so George is in Ottawa now. What's what did you get up to in Ottawa? Oh my God! That's, uh, <laughs> what do you want? like? This is it was a great beginning, uh, and you know, yeah. I worked so hard. I had George has to go learn English because my English, <laughs> George like in the English, English second language in uh, in Canada because you gotta yeah. learn a little bit more English. But in Lebanon, I didn't take a lot of advantage of my English classes. We used to run away and go get <laughs> ice creams and, and, you know, does what teenager does uh, when there is not, uh, when the classes were not mandatory. Yeah. So uh, I start going to school. I, I registered at English Second Language on Laurier. Okay. And uh, I was taking classes and I start working right away. Uh, my cousin find me job at the Rideau Center at Treats. Uh, that make muffins, back okay, in the days and cookies. If you remember, 
Is that when it was in the basement there, the food court? Yeah, it was in the food court. And yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And then there is one, they had another location in uh, uh, Billingsbridge Plaza. So I was, okay. and I lived because my I lived at that time at Riverside Drive, and I used to take the bicycle at three in the morning to go <laughs> make some Oh my gosh, coffee. wow. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so we, I had I had a treat job. I worked uh, at treats. I make muffin in the morning. I work busboy in between. Okay. And I was busboy also at the Western Hotel, the restaurant called used to call Dailies back in the days. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so so I was working 15, 16 hours days in between my school and my busboy and uh, some of dishwasher. Sometimes I had to do some shift. So yeah. I can, you know. And I'm proud of all that. It doesn't that make me actually very strong, and I learn a lot about how to make some money and be able to sponsor and bring my family. Yeah. But at the beginning of of every journey, there is hard working to build the foundation. But Canada gave me the opportunity, and I had. I if I wanted to work, will be more work. Like you know, that's but that's you can always stretch yourself so much. Like between. Yeah. Two full-time job and a part-time job and school. It was very, very, it was very difficult. I worked seven days a week, never took a day off, 365 yeah. a day. I, I didn't know like holidays or Christmas or something. You know, I worked very hard. And then uh, in the first year, I was able to move to an apartment with my cousin and him and I. Okay. Okay, we sponsor, nice. We sponsored our family. And, uh, okay, so so you you brought them all over from from Lebanon. Is that it, George? Like all of your family? Yeah, I did. I in one okay. year, in year I sponsored my my mom and my dad and my brother, my sibling. Uh, they all came here. Okay, wow. Within a year, what, in nineteen. What was what was that like? I mean, that's 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 a lot of people you got to bring in. Were you then responsible for them, according to yeah. the government? Of course, of okay. course. It was the system was different back. In yeah, ninety uh, people. You go in, and as long as you got your paperwork, and as long as you prove that you were working hard, and and it was very brief. I went to the immigration down on, on Catherine Street, and I had an interview. It was okay. So nice. The lady, she looked at me. She said, "Oh my God, you work too much." I'm like, "Well, yeah, but I want to start <laughs> a new life, and I want to bring my family. I yeah. have to work. To I have yeah. to work hard. Yeah, and I have to work." too much and and then i had to bring of course document what do you have in the bank and you have to bring paper from your employer okay in, in good standing and then they they show the hours and your pay stubs uh and uh you gotta show them that you have a place to live uh if you fill up all the document and then they they you have you go through the interview process uh they, it was easy at that time so i was able to bring and sponsor all my family and bring them here and, okay. Uh, within the year, uh, you know, they were all here, uh, emigrated, and uh, you know, and uh, working, and uh, we started a new life. All of us. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's awesome. So, your fa- your family's here. They're they're here with you. You're you're working. What was? What was sort of the focus for for you now? Now that you have all of the family there, did you stay with the same jobs, or did you move on, or what? What happened on that side? Yeah, so I I worked basically like I told you, Rose Bowl, uh, Western 
uh, uh, as steakhouse, just the jobs to be able to provide and make money. Yeah. And my family came here. My my father and I sat down and like, okay, we need to we need to do something. And I also work at Subway. Like there is, I I've done a lot. Wow. Yeah. And I said wow. we gotta do something. So we went and put money together and we bought a restaurant, a, a pizza joint, down on Carling Avenue, nine thirty nine Carling, across okay. from the building, uh, pizza stop. Right. Okay. Pizza. Yeah. So we bought a restaurant. We bought a little. Uh, pizza store and then so at least the family can work in it because of they have to learn English also yeah and father was too old to go to school and my mother doesn't work she's at home and she okay. has family and that's kind of things and uh and it give something for my dad what do you want him he cannot work yeah at, uh, in in uh, industry here you know it's uh, the qualification is different uh uh, no one's gonna trust you to give. Yeah, because they don't uh, recognize it. Is that they it? They don't recognize that. You know, and then we're yeah. we're hearing about it today, but this is a historical issue. You yeah, have, yeah, exactly. You have, you know, people in the industry, people with electrician and all that trade. They come here. They have. They want Canadian experience. So where are you gonna get that? And yeah. you need someone to give you the opportunity. So my father worked at the Hemingway restaurant in uh, on uh, uh, on Queen Street for a bit. Uh, okay. Short order cook, and okay. then we we decided like we're all in the food business, so we went and bought a pizza stop on Carling Avenue, and we we all as a family start working. Wow, that's nice. Collectively, and then we ran it for till 1995 something. Okay. Around. Okay. Yeah. And and, so, and I I gotta ask, and you also got into is it Mexican food? Yeah. So while we have the pizza. <laughs> The, the the you know the the all these competitions start opening we decide to have a mexican delivery food uncle felipe so we started <laughs> that that uh and i had a mexican driver working for me he's like one day he's like why don't we do this i'm like okay we can do burritos and all that tacos yeah and, so we start that delivery right from our business on carling avenue wow and, uh, we my dad loved to cook so he was just okay. like taking care of that Oh, nice food and we were doing delivery and then we split the store in half so we have a half mexican stuff and half pizza canadian stuff it was it was good but you know it's just hard work when you have a family your my brothers were going to school to get educated yeah because they they have the opportunity to do that but yeah. i could i was the oldest and i was working to make sure that they were having a good life and good future but my brother Eli and my brother Tony, they were go back to school and uh, okay, Cité uh, Collegial and uh, Charlebois, if you remember back in the days down. On oh, I remember Charlebois. Yes, Florida. yes. So they got uh, they went to school and they got educated to find a better job. And then in 1995, the the, the pizza industries really went down because with the three for one and one for one, and when you don't want to change your recipes and you the quality. So you know what we said. It was a good run, and let's call it quit. And then yeah, okay, okay. And then, then my brothers, both of them worked for the federal government, and okay, and they didn't like you know. It was just time for us to just move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so you sold it? Is that it? Yeah, actually, we shut it. We closed it. Okay. The lease okay. was coming to an end, and then it was not enough business to justify it. You know, okay. sometimes you keep hanging out on things that really it's not going to make any sense. Yeah, yeah, good point. We decided, yeah. you know what? 
our lease is coming to an end. We're not going to renew. Let's move on. Okay. Okay. So where does George go after that? Uh, at that time, uh, I uh, I went and I worked at Tim Horton. My friends uh, started to the Tim Horton uh, franchise. Okay. Uh, and then he's like, oh, come on here. I want you to help me. And then uh, start the business with me. So I went and I started working with them at the... Uh, we they open up Tim Horton in Gatineau and uh, okay the Gatineau French uh, uh, Tim Horton really is hitting the ground here in Ottawa and Gatineau in Quebec and uh, I started working with them I was training people how to do muffin and and baguette and uh, yeah because you because because for for those in the audience uh, that yes. may not know at one point Tim Hortons baked everything fresh in in their in the each individual location correct George. Uh, Absolutely. You got yeah. you got there at three in the morning and every day and all the baking happened the same day. You fry yeah. you the mixing of the donuts and the timbits and all that. You do everything in a day, all the muffin and the, everything mixed on site. Wow. Nothing frozen, nothing come on the truck. You just uh yeah you just, you just do everything right on site. And you have to have all the bake good baking goods right on the shelf by five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, each department, the Danish and all that. So there was a lot a lots of work happened behind in the yeah, kitchen. early morning early morning yes yeah so, yeah. so that so i was uh i was experienced with the muffin and the cookies from my treats time and then uh, of course my baby okay. so it was a uh, i know i'm a fast learner i learn not to say things a lot but i learned fast and i was yeah i got to learn very fast and i was uh, always try to be efficient and uh, fast and smart in the way how we work not to work hard always work smart and uh, so they were very happy with my technique nice so I was training people they were i was doing a lots of good work and i was really enjoying it and until then i get married and i have kids and you know <laughs> so so hang on before be, before we keep going here George so are you yeah. are you doing the baking at home is that what you're saying you you bake now or actually I don't my wife does everything <laughs> and if you follow me on Facebook you know who does all the cooking and even my wife said say. when we get married you used to do all the cooking now what happened to you <laughs> <laughs> my wife is a very good cook she's the best <laughs> so so you're you're at you're at Tim Hortons, and then what 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 happens next? What happens? Uh, tell what us happened? tell us what tell us what happened next, George. <laughs> what happened is I got. It's a, a great story. Yeah, what happened next? It was uh, I had a ba- I had my oldest John, my oldest son John, yeah, and I lived in the Blossom Park, and uh, we lived at the uh, at the end of the road of Goth. In a little town home that because you just get baby and you move from apartment. Yeah. I got my first electric bill. It was eight hundred dollars. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> because I tried to keep the house warm for my baby boy. Yeah, and yeah. My wife, my wife called me. I'll never forget that. And she's like, uh, yeah, we have a problem. I'm like, what is the problem? She said, like, the bill. I'm like, okay, for what? She said the hydro bill. I'm like, okay. I said, well, when I'll pay it when I get paid. Yeah. She said, no, you don't understand. It's $800. I'm like, what? <laughs> Somebody's stealing power from our house? <laughs> and what were you getting paid at the time, George? It, it was, it was, it was, I was making like $450 every, every year. So it was like double. I have to work full months to get that money. I'm like, are you seriously kidding me? 
So that was my shocking news coming home. And I, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. And, yeah. Know, it's just uh, that's what happened back in the days when you heat your home on electricity. I'll never forget those that, that electricity bill. I think <laughs> I still probably have a copy of it. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So, anyway, so, so that. So then what did you do? So now, now, now you got to get I, another job. I, I laugh and I told my wife, oh, I guess I have to find another job. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then I was going into Bank Street and I, uh, I will never forget that. I was drive by direct access communication on Bank Street. Okay. Uh, right from the pizza, 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 right? Uh, before you hit uh, Alta Vista on the right. Yeah, yeah. Big blue dish, satellite dish in the front and the owner name, Andy. Andy Mastowski, an amazing man. I walk in, I'm like, hey, I need a job. I, I used to, back in the days, I used to, when Cantal came, I was helping some friends selling phones because uh, all Lebanese at that time, they like cell phones and paging, and I was helping them. I'm like, yeah. I, I, I'm good in sales. I, if you give me a job, an opportunity, I think I can do very well. He yeah. looked and said, well, we're not, no, we don't have a job for you. I'm like, okay. I said, listen, you have an, you have sign outside that says you need Employee said, "Yeah, I'm looking for salespeople." I'm like, "Okay, well, um, give me an opportunity. Don't give me, don't pay me any salary. Just give me commission." Yeah. Anyway, I begged him for a bit, then I left, and then he called me. He said, "Listen, I want you to come on Monday to meet okay. someone." Like, okay. So I go on Monday, and there is a lady by the name French France, Francine Hurtubis. Okay. Amazing French lady from Orleans. Anyway, and then she inter he, she interviewed me. She worked at Bell Corporate, and we had a conversation. We start talking, and uh, then um and they said, okay, thank you. And I heard, of course, I he told me that after when I left, she looked at she looked at Andy. She said, hire that guy. <laughs> wow, wow. And then so he's like, he looked at her. And said, there's no experience, no nothing. She said, hire him. He's very good. He's, yeah, he interact very well, and he seems nice. Well. And she trusted in me, I guess. I don't know what she saw, but I'm sure she saw something. <laughs> and then he called me back and I went to work. He's like, I'm not going to give you any any salary. And okay. don't ask me for money. I'll give you a cell phone, business card, and I'll pay you a commission. I'm like, I'm good with that. Yeah. And uh, and then the rest is history. I was very, I worked very hard. I uh, was selling phones right, left, and center. And uh, okay. And I, I started creating... Uh, relationship with government accounts and uh and uh, okay the rest, the rest of history so you're selling the the first the cell phones actual, you're not selling the actual hardware remember back Flip in the phones days? and yeah yeah the big the big brick phone yeah the, the big brick phone, phone and, yeah <laughs> and car phones Crazy. and all that stuff they were yeah the car phones starting. that's right yeah the dpc triple five the first were, phone came were you selling pagers too george or yes were they still Pager. yeah okay yeah everything that's crazy. So, so yeah, so then I worked for in the industry for 17 years. That's crazy. That's but crazy. But my page, my first commission check was double what I was I came home dancing with my first commission check. Wow. I I borrowed money to pay my hydro bill and yeah. uh, of course within a two two three months uh I received my commission check. I it was 1300 $1,380, somewhere around Good there. Good for you. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> I was like, Fair oh, enough. yeah, okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was good feeling. And, uh, you know, uh, my soon ever, she was home taking care of my son. And uh, yeah. we, were, uh, 
difficult. Uh, we lived right beside my parents. Okay. And, uh, it was good, you know. But so, the, so how long were were you there with uh, selling the phones? Was it Bell Mobility then specific, George? Or? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, he, he was an authorized dealer for Bell Mobility. Okay. Okay. And how long did were you doing that? Uh, I I work at I did Bell Mobility work uh, as a dealer in the dealer channel till uh, twenty twelve somewhere around there. Okay. Then okay. I went to Talas for one year. Okay. And I okay. decided to run for a politics. Yeah. Now let's let let's kind of dovetail into that because that's an that's an an interesting story in in itself. So. Well, fast forward here a little bit, George. I think I might have the. Let me know. Correct me if I get this wrong. But you you go from Blossom Park to Greeley. Uh, you've got you got two boys, and you're getting into and you were into skiing, correct? You were yep. you were a, an avid skier. Yeah, I was big time. I love skiing. I skied all. Uh, That's crazy. Good life. for you. And uh, uh, until I had an injury and. Uh, Montremblant, and then I hurt my ankle. I even was part of the Blue Cross. Uh, I used to give lessons on uh, okay in the field at Vorlage. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, I spend a lot of time at the ski hill. When uh, you know you you come to Canada, you gotta do something Canadian, yeah. something in the cold. But I also in Lebanon, I also skis in Lebanon always. Uh, oh, okay, since I'm, I'm kid. I always love skiing, so I was very active in the ski uh, okay. sports. And uh, so, yeah, so I did a lot of skiing. I moved to Greeley, of course, uh, with my two boys and my wife. Uh, we moved, uh, we're still in our house in 2003. We moved into Greeley. And, okay. And uh, and I was involved in the community, of course. And I'm, I, I, and I, after I couldn't ski, I switched to snowmobile. I figured if okay. you could use my body, I'll, I'll, I'll get a snowmobile with an engine. <laughs> and I'll so start what was that like? It was amazing. So the, you know, I I I was receiving an award in in Tor in Mont in uh, Toronto, and my okay. friend owned a dealership in Brockville, and his family were over in, in Ottawa, and him and I we went to 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 uh, Toronto to receive an award, and okay. in a way, and he's from Brockville, and they live in Athens, just a little bit outside of uh, Brockville, uh, 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 we we get hit by the snowstorm. It was so badly, we. Yeah. By Kingston, we couldn't drive. We barely made it to his house in Marotown. Wow. And I'm like, he said, well, we called um, our wives. I said, listen, it's too stormy. We're not going to take a chance. We're just sticking. We're going to stay in his house here. And tomorrow morning, we'll make our way down. Long story short, we pull into his house yeah. uh, uh, in Marotown. And he's like, there is nothing in the fridge other than beer and rye. That's all what there is because they were going away. So <laughs> he's like, oh, I did you snowmobile? I'm like, uh, no, I never snowmobile. Well, he said, well, you are now. So he gave me his daughter's outfit and uh, his daughter, his wife's snowmobile. He okay. Me and I drove a, a Yamaha. They call them the beer can. There is, they look like in the front. They they have a beer can in the front. Uh, okay. The, the suspension. And yeah. he's like, okay, yeah, let's go. I'm like, okay. So we go jump on the sleds. We went down to the restaurant in Athens, had dinner. And oh, nice. Up. And the rest is history. I'm like, oh my god, I love that. <laughs> so I went and bought snowmobile. <laughs> Good for you. Good. That's for how you. I get into snowmobiling. That's incredible. That's incredible. So where where did that interest in snowmobiling move get get you to? 
Well, I, I, I always, when I do something in the community, when I was young, growing up, or always our parents, and I'm sure you had the same uh, background, we always part of the community. And that's where I met you. Yeah. You were part of the community. Yeah. And that's how I meet you. We, when we move to an area, we try to engage to help in the community to be part of, if, even if it's a church or a choir or, or a cadet or anything. Yeah. So I, I get into the snowmobiling and I want to move to Greeley. I want to be help the the network. Okay. So I tried to start looking and they said, oh, it was volunteer. And I started learning a little bit about the snowmobile, the trails and everything. And uh, and then I connected with the club and I and I become very active. And I was volunteering and helping on the trails and do trail works. And uh, I, I was social director. Then I was landowner director. And then I, then I become the president of the club. Okay. And then, and then you know, so I, I was I was uh, heavily involved in the club and in the community association also in Greeley. I was part of helping the community association at that time. Okay. Uh, so I was always involved since I, since I moved to Greeley. And then uh, that's basically how I was, I become uh, known in the community. Oh, that's that, that's that's an amazing and and it's very well said, George. In terms of you know getting involved, I, I you know I could totally sympathize with that, and that's yeah exactly how we met. Very very good point. So what what kind of happened for you to go from uh, where you were working to now get into politics? Is politics something that always interested you, George? Always, I'm a my, I'm a political junkie. <laughs> Ask my wife; she'll tell you. She said, "Can we change the channel now?" <laughs> I, so, uh, since um, since you're young, all that you listen is to news, uh, Reuters, yeah. all that because that's what we grew up. We grew up in the world, so I was always yeah. interested listening to news. What's happening? Yeah, what's around you? And and then I guess something never never left me. Uh, like, yeah. Every time I live in any community, I always want to know who's the, what's the provincial government MPP, who's the mayor, who's the councillor. Like I like to know this stuff, and I like to know the community that I'm surrounded with and that I live in. And like I said, uh, we get involved and we help the community for the betterment of where you live and where your your kids gonna grow up and where you're you're gonna bring a family up. Yeah. To, uh, so so always that thing was part of me learning and then that uh, knowing so uh so i get engaged in the community and i just try to learn of course who who's the who's the uh, who's the governor who's the mp who's the yeah counselors and all that stuff so i always listen to news and my wife always think i'm, I'm i always listen to news and i always every morning when i wake up I right now I listen to Al Jazeera. I listen to Reuters, CBC. Like okay. I listen to all the news. I can tell you what's happening across the board right now in the world, but we don't yeah, have nice. that much nice. time. But but that's so. Yes, I'm always have interest in politics, and uh, and then when the snowmobile club, uh, my my role as a trail coordinator, uh, we had a section of the trail they were gonna close it uh, from. Uh, a multi-use pathway from okay. all the way to Osgood and they were going to pave it. And then we realized if they do that, then there will be no opportunity anymore for the snowmobiler. And okay. this community and this area, as you know, there is a lot of snowmobiler. There is light recreational. People like to drive four-wheelers. This is what they live in the rural area. That's what they live in the country. Yeah. 
So we kind of just I'm going uh, fast forward just as fast as I can. So from time perspective, so uh, when this stuff happened, I was approached by the club and I said, well, I'll take on that project. And I met with a yeah. previous uh, counselor, my predecessor, and we explained to him the situation and uh, and uh, I start working with him to making sure they recognize that that section of the trail is not supposed to be paved and we'll keep it as path multi-use pathway for every uh, cross-country skiers and people with uh, cycling and they want a pedestrian and, okay. and in the summer. So, and we fought, we fought for it and then I work with the communities and I was very successful on obtaining and keeping that track, uh, that uh, Good for you. section of the trail to the snowmobiler. And that brought a lot of attention to the uh, to that matter, and yeah. lots of people in the community, from a business industry, a community leader, uh, riders, uh, even other different group interests, the people that they do cross country skier and in the community, okay, right. they were like, they were we work, we work collectively to make sure to find a common ground for everybody to be able to use that piece of uh, uh, trail. And uh, and uh, and then we were successful in obtaining it, and it brought a lots of camaraderie and friendship. And, okay. And the fight I had, I learned a lot about city processes, and uh, and the community really didn't think that I would be able to do it, and we were able to do it. So the automatically everybody's like, "Oh my God, you're." <laughs> <laughs> you you advocate for that. You could advocate for more stuff for us, and you're gonna be our next mayor. And then you know they they still call it at that time the mayor because yeah, before amalgamation they call it. so. Anyway, so it was kind of joke. Uh, nice, about good for you. All the time, but but really, what you do for what I did in my personal life as in my career when I work for Bell Mobility and when I work in the sales industry. I'm not different today. There is no difference between what I did before and yeah. what I do today other than the product. Yeah. I I always I was always in the customer service business. People tell me like, "Oh, you're a counselor." I said, "Yes, I'm a counselor, but I'm in the customer service business." Yeah. I yeah, I point. give I give services to the resident that they pay taxes yearly on their home. Mm -hmm. What I provide to you, I provide I pick up your garbage, I fix the light. I give you park, I give you road. So, it, and I'm I'm always the middleman between the city and the budget and the community. So no difference when you're in the sales, you yeah. have the network, which is Bell Mobility, and then you have the product, which is you sell, but also you need to service after the sale. So mm -hmm. literally, mm -hmm. if you think of the concept, I don't think I don't do anything different than I would have did. And I was very successful in my 17 years in at the Bank Mobility uh, sales, and I'm I'm providing the service, same thing, but within different profession to my resident and my community. You know, that's that's really well said, George, in terms of that 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 analogy. That's that's really well said. What so what was your first campaign like? What it was uh, a <laughs> it was nervous? it was actually was it nervous? It was Were you fun. nervous or Oh, well, of course, it was nervous. Yeah. You're nervous. Uh, I didn't, uh, when the counselor decided not to run, uh, people in the community just was like, just coming to me like, no, you're going to run. I'm like, come on, we were talking about it. But 
I'm not ready for it. No, no, that and it was uh, so there was a lot of support from the grassroots of the community business, the business community, and and member of the community also, and uh, and then of course there was eleven people running at that time. Um, I'm eleven. Eleven, like eleven running against you? Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a race in 2014. It was a wow. big race. Uh, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a that's a lot of uh, lots of people, and uh, you know, campaigning. I didn't know nothing about campaign. I didn't have a team. Yeah, uh, honestly, it was just the support that I received from the community. What made it happen? It was not my nice. personal nice. effort only. I did effort. All what I had a great team. I had a great people that surround me, and uh, and all what they said to me: keep door knocking. And all what they looked at, uh, they looked after my, you know, the campaign paperwork, the finance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had, I was surrounded by amazing team. Uh, yeah. Nice. By good, a lot of people gave me good advices, and uh, okay. And it was a, uh, it was an eye opener, and it was a uh, very, uh, I door knocked nine thousand door. I I did the work. Wow. Yeah, nine thousand. Nine thousand door. My first election. Wow, that's I did incredible. Early and then yeah, I, all what I did is door knocked every day, and get to know people and meet people. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and you know, and uh, it was well worth it. Uh, I love what I do. I love what I provide to my community. I love. I love every aspect of my job. That how. Yeah. I, how I improve and I make better things in the community and make our residents getting their service and their value added, what they want to do from services from the city. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, nice. Nice. So someone that's listening to this, George, thinking of getting into politics, what, what advice would you would you give them? Do not ever think twice. If you think that you have it in you and you think you are running for the right reasons to better the community, because every person put their name on the ballot, trust me, they put it to serve the community. Even the people who ran against me, I don't discount yeah. them. I think they're good people. And I always thank them and I always encourage them. I Even someone asked me who ran against me in the last election. I was thinking of running. I said, why are you thinking? Just go put your name on the yeah, ballot. Nice. Nice. Because I said, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's the people will will choose who they want to govern and who would like them to be there. No one should tell you you put your name or not. You should, if you feel you want to do it and you yeah. have it in you and you want to serve your community, it's an honorable job. So yeah. don't, don't hesitate. And, you know, society's changed. Life has changed the way... Uh, the digital media change on how people are perceived to treat their politicians and things. Yeah. But tell me, when I go home, I all this is behind me, and all what I think is what I did for my community. And when I wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. what I'm gonna do better things today for my community. That's what I care, and that's what it matters to me, and that's what it it bring me to work every day, motivated. You know, you know that's that's a good that's a good point you make, George, in terms of the social the, the the digital side of 
I don't want to say the digital side of politics, but it is kind of the digital side of politics. Because that's where people, you know, they're the you got the keyboard warriors and whatnot. Because you you come through, you know, twenty fourteen. It's not that you know, not that we didn't have the technology that that we do. We do, but it's it's definitely different today. What what do you think? Like what's what's your feeling on that? Do you find a lot of people that are like the keyboard warriors, and you meet them in person, and they're like totally different people, or? It's the same ten people. The digital like, people, that the, the keyboard warrior, that they attack you at every opportunity they have, and they're not happy with everything you do. It's okay. the same people. Okay. And, and 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 it is harder, and it is way different with the language and how the email you receive electronically, uh, the comment you see on Facebook. But I always yeah. tell people. Social media not always real, and but you have yeah. to also know how to use social media to the benefit of the community and yourself. Yeah, and then since you start that subject, like I mean, I looked at I look at the way we deliver and we the we do business in our offices. I do not take any service request or anything on Facebook. I will not respond to anything on Facebook. We use our Facebook channel to push information out to the community, yeah. to let the community knows what's going on. Yeah. We never interact and we never, people sometimes say impolite thing or say things. We don't just, we, we just ignore it. We don't, we don't reply to it. We just move on. And if you use the social media positively and the way we use it, it's always, it help the community and it help, uh, it help you delivering yeah and spreading the event and what you, what's happening in your community and giving them the tools they need to know because, you know, there is demographic you're delivering to in the community also. You got the people that they have, young kids, they're busy all the time. They don't have time to open a newsletter. They don't have yeah. time to on the on the internet. Yeah. If you deliver to them quickly on Facebook, they browse through it in the daytime when they have a moment. Yeah. They know there is a dinner. Uh, there is a, a winter carnival, and yeah. they know there's meet and greet in Metcalf, and yeah. they and they like, oh yeah, it's in the back of their mind. But you gotta be able to deliver and deliver messages to the community in a different, in a different, for a different demographic in a different way. And that's okay, so why I just that's I, why that's, that's uh, very well said, George. Very very well said in terms of you know the use of of social media and the and the, again the proper use of social media. So I the last thing I just want to throw out here is thinking back to the last election that you know the most recent one we we went through. Yes. You mentioned the 10 people that you know you can identify as the keyboard warriors. Are you able knowing what you know from what comes through on the comments from what comes through from say these 10 people and the the way that those characteristics are in writing to you, are you able to also start to identify them at the doorstep? Do you start to uh, notice them? Is I guess that's maybe more my question. Yeah, yeah, you do, you do, and you'll okay. uh, you'll know exactly who they are, and you yeah. know, and it is funny because every time election come, it's the same people. They'll go out yeah. and they start. You know, uh, they're like it's like, and after election, everybody go crooked. Boom, done. And now, now you do your work. <laughs> and then, of course, when election comes, 
the same yeah. people they come out uh, from wherever yeah. they are hiding and of course but put your name forward if you really yeah. think you could do better job we need good people in the community yeah. service and cater and that bring back bring me back to your what do i tell people sometimes i tell them we if you feel that you have it in you and you feel you can service your community and there is an opportunity you should do it you should do it yeah yeah very well said yeah very well said all right let's get some more advice here george what about someone that's looking to start a business today what what would what advice would you give them you know uh, it is it is very difficult and it's very hard to start businesses with the inflation and what's going on but i always tell people and i always say it if you want to start a business and if you know that you're starting a new career, make sure you love the business that you want to do and mm -hmm. make sure you love the product that you want to sell and make sure you learn and study the area where you're putting your business or you learn about the people that you are going to service and what mm -hmm. you're going to deliver. So I always tell people in, in business, it's you got to work in your strengths and you're going to work on what you think your ability is. And that's what makes you successful. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And and then uh, I, I tell people in the community, like I always tell people, the locally, support the local community, support the local businesses, look at what the community in the need and try to bring it to the community. And that's how you be successful. But in, in this, in this, at this time, really we're recovering from COVID. We're recovering from, yeah. we're dealing with high inflation. Cost yeah. is a lot of money. People yeah. at the door, people people in our day in and day out, like ourselves, we're feeling it. When you go to the grocery store, yeah. you are seeing the prices. Yeah. And yesterday I went to buy my wife, you know, tomato paste. Okay. Tomato paste. Yeah, yeah. That most of the time you cook something, you need tomato paste. Yeah. Now it used to be 15, 20, 25 cents for the can. And maybe yeah. after, uh, before COVID, it was maybe 99 cents or dollar or dollar. Yeah. 20. yeah. It's 399. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Like this is not 2%, yeah. this is not 3%. This is no, no. So th there is a need and there is a lot of inflation. And, uh, and uh, right now, the, you know, the interest rate is high. And I tell people to just before they open the business, make sure they look around. Take their time and they think yeah. hard and clear before they make any move and any decision. That's that's really well said. Really, really well said, uh, George. What what three things would you say have had the biggest impact on on your success so far? If you could listening. narrow it down to three, listening, listening to people. Oh, very nice. Able to have a time to take the time to listen and understand the issue yeah and adapt to the surrounding that you are in every time because i do have to adapt myself to multiple situations and to many other difficult sometimes situation that i have to deal with yeah your kindness and be who you are it is what makes you successful do not pretend someone that who you're not and, and be able to talk to the people, not talk at people. Yeah. And that's something every day in my work, line of work, 
even though I'm a politician, even though I'm a city councilor, I always have the time to take to take the time to listen and talk to the people with in my community and talk with them, not at them, mm-hmm. and make them mm-hmm. feel that you gotta be making them feel that you're approachable to come to be able to help, work with them and help them. But mm-hmm. being honest with them, it is very successful. I'll tell you something. In my work, people sometimes send me an email and uh, they want to request and sometimes with policies and some red tape and things I cannot. But you know what? I reply to them and I tell yeah, them good for you. the honest truth. And, you know, I see them in the community. And you know what they say to me? They said, you know, we, we sent you an email. Uh, and you know what? <laughs> I know you couldn't help me. But the fact is you reply to us and you yeah. told us the limitation and you actually came back to us. You didn't, it meant a lot to us, even though you didn't help us. Yeah. Yeah. You got back to us. Yeah. And that's what people want. People want yeah. an answer from you. And here in our, in our offices, we make sure to deliver and cater to my community as much as mm-hmm. I can and work with my community to be able to deliver those services. So listening, working hard with the community, achieving the goal that they want, mm-hmm. and try to solve to uh, their their problem and making sure being truthful with them, that's very important. Those are key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, responding as well, like you just said, George. Yeah. Even though you can't help them by responding, you're 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 indicating that you are there listening. So that's you know, that also goes uh, goes a long way. I hear it all every day, uh, Paul, from residents. Yeah. Oh, you didn't help me with my sufferings, but at least you did give me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the answer was no, but at least you did reply to me. Yeah. At <laughs> least you're listening, George. <laughs> you know when you go when you go to a local restaurant in the morning and be able to joke and talk and laugh with the local community member in yeah. your area, yeah, you know that you're doing a good job. You're yeah, not hiding. They're yeah. not, you're not like trying to avoid people. If the phone yeah. rings, you answer. That's something in you take a pride of, and that's where you know you're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very well said. Very well said. Did you did you have any mentors, George, along the way that you looked up to? I I, I had a I had a lot I have a lots of mentors uh, uh, in my life, and uh, in my political career, my mentor was uh, I just lost him last year in August. Okay. Okay. My friend Jerry Couts, uh, probably you met him in some community. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry passed away. Oh, uh, I didn't know last that. Last August. Oh, no. Okay. Jerry was, uh, Jerry was very, very good uh, friend, and uh, he gave me lots of uh, advice and wisdom advice, and uh, he was very... Uh, he he helped me a lot in making decision, and I surround myself always with good people and with yeah. uh, people were in the community for way lived in the community way before my time before me. I yeah. I meet regularly with them, even in my office or at the restaurant sometimes. Nice. And nice. Uh, I give my success to so many people around me. I'm not gonna start naming them because I know I'm gonna miss one. <laughs> but I do have a lots of good people in my life. And nice. I also got to tell you, if you don't have a very supportive family. Yeah, very um, well said. My my parents were always supportable. My wife is an amazing uh, yeah. wife. She'd be able to, 
for me to be able to do what I do every day and for her yeah. to take care of the house. I have two boys. Yeah. My my kids, my son John Tony's 25 and John 27. And uh, for me to be able to give life balance, you need someone at home keeping the house in balance. Yeah. yeah. So this is all things come to the success that I have. It's because mm -hmm. I also have good people around me and surrounding me. My team that they give 100% to the community, my community association president that you're actually part of one of my, my community, but I do yes, have yes. so many community associations and they become friends. They, be, they become part of my daily work to yeah. be able to deliver the services and what I do to the community. Uh, so I am very, very lucky and fortunate that I have a lot of mentors and I depend on them. And I don't, I'm never, ever shy to ask for an advice. Yeah, very true. Yeah, and that's, that's very something true. you yeah. always, I always tell my team when they start working with us, I said, don't spin your wheel. Yeah, we're here yeah. around you for a reason. If you have a question, it's better for you to come and ask because we can help you through it. Yeah. And if yeah. I have challenge in any sector in my world, from a business perspective, from a community perspective, I always go and ask people. I have so many people in my community with knowledge, well of knowledge. And I can just go ask them and they can give me their honest opinion and advice and I can make choice at that time. Yeah, that's very well said. Very well said, George. Okay, let's get to know you a bit, a bit here, George. This is the fun part. Fun part of the Ooh. interview here. <laughs> okay. Okay, hobbies and interests. We know we know there's snowmobiling. <laughs> we know there's skiing. Any yes. other hobbies and interests you have, George? I do camp. I'm, I'm an outdoor guy. Uh, I do... Like camping? We do, we do camping, my wife and I. Like yeah, in we, a tent? Uh, no, um, I used to. Now I'm in age, I do glamping. <laughs> so I have a motorhome. Before I had a trailer. Before we Oh, good for you. Oh, nice. So we do lots of camping, fishing. Uh, oh, you uh, fish as well? I do four. Yeah, I'm a four. I do four wheeling. I'm a four wheeler also. Oh, wow. Good for you. Good for uh, you. Anything with an outdoor activity, I cannot yeah. sit at home. I got okay, you're 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 not a homebody. I'm not a homebody. I okay, am, and that drives my wife nuts sometimes. Because <laughs> you're always going somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always doing something. My wife, my wife just think I'm crazy. I play golf. You know, I'm not a great golfer. Okay, my, okay. My nice. Nineteen hole is my favorite hole. That's <laughs> <laughs> very well said. Very but well I said. do play golf. Lots of golf. Okay, very nice. Well, what about a musician? You have a musician, favorite musician? What's George yeah, listening to? I'm What's really, George listening to when he's out and about? He's going to laugh at me, but... Okay, go for it. The Eagles. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that, George. I don't, nice. I'm, uh, Eagles. I didn't see you as an Eagles guy, though. I, I'm an Eagles guy. It's my favorite band. I listen, and I do... Of course, I do listen to little countries here and there. Okay. But Eagles is my... Uh, oh, nice. Very nice. Have you, have you ever seen the Eagles, or...? Once. Yeah. Okay, good for you. Yeah. Where, and where... I don't like, I, I'm not a guy, I don't like, I barely go to the hockey game and I don't like a lot yeah. of uh, venue for uh, artists or I don't like concert, but I did see them once in Montreal. Okay, okay. And uh, and uh, I, I like, uh, my, my favorite single player is Phil Collins. When I was young, I loved Phil Collins. Oh, you like Phil Collins, eh? I do. Oh, interesting. 
I know. Interesting. Uh, we, we had the choice of music. Very nice. No, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. What about a favorite book? You got a favorite book or travel destination? Uh, I don't read. I do a lot. I, I, I used to read a lot, but I, now I, I, I read enough. Yeah. I read enough uh, reports, so I'm not reading lately much because okay. I do lots of uh, reading as it is in my work. Uh, I love destination traveling. I like to go to San Martin. Uh, really, I love San Martin. It's a very nice place. You've been there, obviously. Uh, yeah, my wife and I have been there, and I love to go again. That's and, crazy. Uh, That's crazy. My wife and I had our beautiful. honeymoon there. Very nice. Very nice it's island. Nice. Which side did you go to? The Dutch or the French? We were on the Dutch side, yeah. But we yeah. we rented a car and drove drove the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, same thing. We went to nice. the Dutch, and then we went to the French. Yeah. Yeah, because after, if you go to the French side and if you go for dinner, you gotta get, grab something else to eat on the way back because it's all gourmet. You're not, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't fill you, <laughs> and it's very expensive. It is exactly, <laughs> but it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, yeah, island. very nice island. Yeah, I totally, totally concur. Totally concur. What about a movie? Are are you inside watching a movie at all, George, or what? I I, I love to watch series. I'm a I'm a guy and a guy like uh, really. I like to watch uh, uh, actions like CIA's anything to do with intelligence. Okay, like that. Uh, black the black book the black book black uh, not the black book sorry the black. Uh, anyway, there's a couple series on uh, on on Netflix. I've been watching the Blacklist. It's one oh, of the blacklist. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard, Jack Ryan's. Those yeah, are. Yeah, did you those. did you did you get into that? I I I, I tried and I, I I didn't like it. I don't know uh, what what it was. Richard's not too not so much. I like Jack Ryan's. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, and the, but yeah, I I watch those. This is my kind of uh, that's what my kind of things I like, and I like to watch. Uh, funny last night I said oh my god I haven't watched The Rock in a long time it's one of my favorite movie Armageddon okay. I, I watch Armageddon I watch The, the oh Rock gosh, wow, good like, for you. yeah uh, like it's stuff like that I love those yeah. movies and uh, you know nice. it's, uh, so this is my kind of uh, when I'm I have a downtime uh, yeah. I'm really lucky with Netflix and I, I pick something and I watch but those are the things I watch okay okay what about food what do you get a favorite food Oh my God! Where do we start? <laughs> my wife called me garbage garbage I eat anything. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a very. It's funny. Food to me is because uh, I mean you were I, in the food business, right? I mean, I, you I, have I love uh, I love everything, and I try everything. And I there is nothing I eat, and I say I can't eat. I I eat anything. I didn't. I was a little bit when I was in the uh, pizza business. I didn't. I didn't eat a lots of anchovies. Okay. But other than that, I I eat anything and everything. If it's funny because you make anchovies with your Caesar salad because it's in a recipe you put anchovies and things. I love it. It just yeah. I can't just eat it just by itself. Okay. And I love smells. So I don't understand how this works, but it is what it is. <laughs> and uh and I the only things I don't eat and I can't eat is green pepper. Oh really, it, eh? It's given me such a wicked bad acid reflex. It just kills me. I just can't. even even if they're cooked, George. If it's cooked, if it's not cooked, I can just eat it. I can take the green pepper, wash it, eat it. It's fine. The oh really? It's cooked. I I just oh, I, I wow. can't eat combination pizza with green pepper. So if you ever oh, invite crazy. me over, 
Don't oh, cook green. Crazy. Don't cook with spaghetti with green pepper, which is you shouldn't. <laughs> but believe it or not, some people put green pepper in spaghetti. Really? Oh. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, we. They're not it. Italian, George. They're not Italian or Lebanese. <laughs> Lebanese don't do that. Uh, what I about eat, it? I eat lots of. I eat all Mediterranean food. All okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Italian food is my favorite. I, I love Italian. Uh, I eat sushi. Uh, it's uh, I. Okay. It's literally I eat everything you think it's. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a big hunter. I I eat a lots of wild meat. I hunt deer. Okay. So I, so there is nothing really uh, phase me or I'm like oh, I I can't eat that kind of food. I eat spicy. Yeah. I eat non spicy. I'm good with everything. Nice, nice, very nice. So if you ever what invite if... me over, I'm easy going. <laughs> <laughs> what What about a favorite social media platform or channel? What's What's your favorite? Yeah. It's funny you say that. Uh, so I, I, uh, uh, I, I always, uh, I always had Facebook, yep. and uh, you got elected, and you got introduced to those uh, Twitter, which is now is X, yeah, and uh, Instagram and whatever. Uh, I have two platform. Uh, on my personal, personal, I only use LinkedIn and uh, Facebook. Okay. okay. And for my business uh, in our world, I, I used to be I used to be on Twitter. I left six years ago, and it's the best things I ever did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because the troll and uh, and it's just yeah. it's not real, and uh, it's just you waste your time on the platform that it only sucks the positive energy out of you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we use Facebook, and it is one of our prefer. Uh, prefer method of delivering and my personal also I have one okay. and uh, and from a business side I always use LinkedIn yeah LinkedIn I like I like uh, yeah I like what about anybody on social media that you follow that you'd recommend for others uh, I honestly don't follow lots of people because no. I don't have time <laughs> It's. I know it is weird uh, to hear that, but well, I mean, look, you you can easily I, go down the rabbit hole on social media and spend yeah, hours. I, I, and it's, I and honestly, it's gone. Paul, Paul, I I uh, a black hole of time. Well, but I, I I try to push away information. I yeah. don't even know who follow me. I don't even know who's on my. <laughs> uh, on my I, I'm serious. I don't. I'm very yeah. busy. Like I have a yeah. lot of uh, uh, my time and my schedule is very packed and i don't yeah. have time to spend on social media so i have yeah. a very good team uh that helped me manage the expectation and manage that yeah, nice. Platform. nice if you go into my personal page you probably i put one post every three months <laughs> or <whatever. laughs> i'm a boring guy don't have a lot oh i yeah. I, I put something a couple of days ago about snowmobiling for my okay okay i, I actually funny i was going through uh the Greeley community association about their winter carnival and I shared the their comedy night just like that I don't really do much yeah yeah when people hear the name George DeRuse what do you hope they will say uh I hope they they can see and they give me the opportunity if they don't know who I am first to know me and uh, the people that they know me uh they they know that I'm a genuine person and I don't Sometimes politicians come as narcissistic, and I hope I don't. But all what I hope that people, they say that George is a good guy, is a good community person, 
And I want to make sure to demonstrate to them and they give me the opportunity to show them that I'm, I'm about the community and I'm here to serve them and here to make our community a better place to live and play and work. Oh, very nice, George. That's very well said. Very well said. Very well said. Thank you, George. George, this has been this has been an absolute pleasure to uh, to share your story here, and and I and I want to thank you uh, for for coming on here and and sharing it uh, sharing it with us and giving us your time. Uh, well, Paul, I thank you for you to taking the time to know who I am and know a little bit about my uh, <laughs> my <laughs> my uh, history and uh, where I came from. But uh, I hope your listener will enjoy. And uh, they learn something because, you know, I always tell people, if you come to Canada, it's the country of opportunity. And if you in this country, you cannot go broke or hungry if you have the ability to work or if you want to work. Yeah. And uh, I I thank you very much for taking the time. And I'm hoping some of your listeners, they listen to my story, because when I came to Canada, which is I didn't I, I missed that. I only have two hundred dollars in my pocket. Yeah, and yeah, to very well said. see where I am today, this yeah. is not all about my personal effort. Is the country that gave us that opportunity? Yeah, and we should not forget that we live in the beautiful and amazing communities and diverse city. Yeah, yeah, that's very well said. That's very well said. Yeah, and I and and I I wish you uh, much success with you know a lot of the endeavors that that you're taking on here here in the ward and 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 at the city level, and uh, and and look forward to maybe even even having you on with with some updates later on. That would be great. That would be great. Uh, thank you so, very much, Paul. I appreciate you. you taking the time, and I wish you all the best for you and your family. Yes, thank you, thank you. For those of you looking for additional information from our guest today. George DeRuz. You can find George and his team on Facebook at George DeRuz. You can also find uh, George personally on LinkedIn, uh, again, at George DeRuz. You can also find a lot of information about uh, what is happening uh, in his ward and across the city at his website, georgederuz.ca that's g-e-o-r-g-e-d-a-r-o-u-z-e dot c-a and you can also reach him by telephone at 613-580-2490 that's 613-580-2490 Thanks very much for spending some time with us here today at the Ottawa Business Podcast. We truly hope that you found something of value that you can apply in your business or your personal life. Please be sure to like, subscribe, or even share the episode with someone else. We're on your favorite podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we're also available to listen online at ottawabusinesspodcast.com. Thank you.